Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Chris, and it is my joy and my privilege to join you this evening for our 6 p.m. St. Matt's church service. All right, this evening we are continuing our series in Jonah, and we are up to Jonah 3 tonight. Jonah has been vomited out of the, the belly of the sea creature. Uh, he's now on the shore. He's headed to Nineveh, and I'm delighted to say that uh, our guest preacher this evening is another one of our wonderful young adult community group leaders, Lucinda Gamble. She has a sharp mind and a huge heart and a really thoughtful sermon for us to hear tonight. Uh, so after the Bible reading, we'll hear that. I'm going to pray for us. We'll have the Bible reading. We'll hear from Lucinda. Lord God, thank you so much that you want to speak to us. You don't just leave us alone. And so we pray that tonight you'd help us to listen. And the word of the Lord came to God and sent him to God. Forty more days and then he'll rule the other time. The new life believes God, and passes the promise, and all of them the greatest police to put on the sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Picture this. You're enjoying your lunch break and your phone starts buzzing. You look at the screen. It's a private number. What do you do? Now picture this. You're enjoying your lunch break and your phone starts buzzing. You look at the screen. It's your best friend. What do you do? Michael, my husband, could tell you what I do. His mobile is often set on private because he uses it for work calls. If he rings me and I don't pick up, He doesn't automatically assume I'm busy or I don't want to talk to him. He turns off private mode, rings again, and a few seconds later, there I am. I don't like picking up private numbers. It's probably a scammer, right? If it's important, they'll leave a message. And I know I'm not alone in this. We usually respond differently to a message from someone we know than someone we don't. If I got an email from a stranger telling me I'd inherited money from an estranged relative or a voicemail from a friend saying they'd seen on Instagram that I'd won a prize, I know who I'd seen or respond to. We tend to trust and respond to someone we know far sooner than someone we don't. 
Yet, this is not the way in the story of Jonah. Jonah and the city of Nineveh both receive a call of sorts from God. A call that demands a change in plans. Tonight, we're going to compare their responses. We'll see how Nineveh set an unexpected example for us when God beckons us to change our plans and follow him. While Jonah holds back, the people of Nineveh are quick to come to God and to go with him. To begin, let's recap who these people are that are receiving a call from God. Jonah is introduced in chapter 1 as a worshipper and messenger of the God of Israel. Jonah knows the God who calls him. It's a message from a familiar number, so to speak. Meanwhile, Nineveh is a powerful city at the centre of the Assyrian Empire, an enemy of Israel. The Assyrians worshipped other gods and were proud of their power. They had a reputation for physical violence and social injustice. The Ninevites do not know Jonah or the God he speaks on behalf of. And what is the message they receive? Well, in chapter 1, Jonah receives a message from God to go to Nineveh and speak on God's behalf. He is responsible for delivering God's message to Nineveh. That Nineveh is going to judge, sorry, that God is going to judge their sin in 40 days by destroying their nation. I don't imagine either call would have been easy to receive. Jonah is being called by a God he claims loyalty to, to go to an enemy nation known for their violence to tell them that their destruction is imminent. He knows he should obey, but the call is really hard. He has a choice on his hands. To ignore God's call, hoping he'll change his mind. To trust God and so align himself with him. Or to try to straddle a middle ground. To be almost in rather than all in. The people of Nineveh are being called by an unknown number, so to speak with a message that their destruction is imminent. They have a choice on their hands. To ignore it, hoping it's just a scam caller. To trust God and so align themselves with him. Or to try to straddle a middle ground. Where we start in chapter 3, we've already seen Jonah's first response. Jonah has run in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He's learned the hard way in the belly of a fish that ignoring or outrunning God is not going to work. In our chapter tonight, Jonah sets out with a second chance at responding to God's call. This time, he obeys God and it's Nineveh's turn to respond. In this passage, I think we can see Nineveh take five steps in response to God's call. When we look at Jonah 3, we see them take five actions that set them apart from Jonah. Five steps that model what it looks like to live in relationship with God. Where Jonah holds back, the Ninevites are both quick to come to God and to go with him. 
Let's walk through the steps that Ninevites take. Number one, the first step shows up in verse five. The Ninevites believed God. They believed that God speaks the truth through Jonah. His warning of judgment is true and therefore serious. This step of belief is one that Jonah too had taken when God first spoke to him. Jonah believed that God wanted him to go to Nineveh. So belief is a necessary step toward relationship with God and both Jonah and the Ninevites take it. But it's only step one. Number two. The second step the Ninevites take is to recognize their humility before God. They acknowledge that God is big and knows what is good, while they are small and lost. Having believed God, the Ninevites cover themselves with sackcloth, an expression for mourning in that culture. And they begin to fast, to abstain from food, to recognize that they have a deeper spiritual need than their need for food. When Jonah's warning reaches the king, he too receives it humbly. He moves from the throne to the dust and he replaces his royal robes with sackcloth. He calls all of Nineveh to do the same, including their animals. And if Buster is anything to go by, this would have been no easy task. But so earnest is the Ninevites' humility, this is what they commit to. The Ninevites don't know a lot about God, and Jonah doesn't tell them to repent. But they've heard enough to believe that the cost of holding on to their pride and sin far outweighs any gain. And so the king literally, and the rest of Nineveh figuratively, step off their thrones and bow before God on his throne. The Ninevites see what Jonah didn't, that this God cannot be outrun. Jonah believed God wanted him to go to Nineveh, but he also believed that he knew better. The Ninevites recognised their humility before God, while Jonah holds on to pride. Number three. The third step the Ninevites take as they quickly come to God is to seek his help. Believing Jonah's warning of judgment, the king of Nineveh tells everyone to call urgently on God. This is a God they have just met, a God they have ignored all their lives. Yet they are urgent to draw near. How different to Jonah, who, as we saw last week, had to be caught in a storm, thrown overboard a ship, and swallowed by a fish before he called out for God's help. Jonah knows God and his history of showing mercy, a history the Ninevites don't know, and still he delays drawing near. The Ninevites quickly seek God's help, while Jonah delays. In these three steps, the Ninevites are quick to come to God while Jonah holds God at a distance. But they don't stop there. 
Some of you may have been following the news of a change of plans for Leo Messi. Having played football for Barcelona for 17 years, he recently received news that they could no longer afford to keep him. He began to receive a whole lot of other calls from clubs who wanted his allegiance. And we've heard this week that he's chosen to sign with Paris. But imagine for a moment that his loyalties haven't really changed. Once he gets on the field in the Champions League, he's still on Team Barcelona, passing to their players and scoring their goals. If Leo started by coming to Paris, but didn't really commit to going with them, the result would be chaos, and Paris would not be happy. The Ninevites have started well by coming to God, but to finish well, they need to go with him. Their final two steps are in this direction. Number four. The Ninevites' fourth step shows up in verse eight. The king calls the Ninevites to give up their evil ways and their violence. They don't just mourn that they've previously acted with evil and violence. No. They see that this has no place now that they are allied to God. Their loyalties have changed and they need to follow his lead. So in their hearts and in their actions, the people of Nineveh leave sin behind. Where the Ninevites walk away from sin in heart and in body, Jonah's heart lags behind. Jonah does physically go to Nineveh the second time around, but as we'll see next week, while Jonah warns Nineveh of judgment, in his heart he hopes they won't repent. Jonah's heart is not aligned to God's heart, which desires compassion and mercy for Nineveh. Jonah is still trying to forge a middle ground between ignoring God and fully aligning himself to him. The Ninevites follow God's lead, while Jonah still loves his own path. Number five. The final step of the Ninevites' response is to put their hope in God. In verse 9, the king expresses his hope that God will relent from judgment and show compassion. The king has heard one sermon. He hasn't seen any miraculous signs. Jonah hasn't given any promise or even encouragement that God will relent of judgment. Yet the king puts his hope in God and shares this hope with the people of Nineveh. The same can't be said of Jonah, who in chapter 4 is still cynical about what God is doing. The Ninevites put their hope in God, while Jonah is cynical. The Ninevites go wholly with God, while Jonah's loyalty is divided. While Jonah holds back, the Ninevites are quick to come to God and to go with him. And God is pleased with their response. God sees they're coming to him and they're going with him. And as the king hoped, God is merciful to Nineveh. He relents of the destruction he threatened. 
The relief for the people of Nineveh must have been enormous. The destruction that Jonah had warned of was catastrophic and they had no assurance that mercy would come. Choosing to believe Jonah meant taking on a huge amount of anxiety as they waited for his final call. As scripture unfolds, it becomes clear that we too have received news from God that summons us to change our plans. We have all tried to put ourselves on the throne that belongs to God. We have ignored God. We've hurt others. And we've hurt ourselves in the process. And so we are all under the same warning as Nineveh. But we have assurance that the people of Nineveh did not have. While the king of Nineveh hopes that God may relent, today we can know God's promise of mercy. Because while God calls us to come to him and to go with him, in Christ God has first come to us and in his spirit he goes with us. Jesus' disciple John opens his gospel by explaining that in Christ, God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He leaves his Father in heaven to join us on earth, to be a servant, a friend, a gentle shepherd, and a substitute on our behalf. In his death, Jesus takes on himself the sin of Nineveh, of Jonah, and of you and me. If we will bring our sin humbly before him, we can know that the judgment for that sin has already been made. So when Nineveh waited in hope for mercy, we can move forward with assurance. We can come to God knowing that God has already come to us. And while Jesus is now back on his heavenly throne, we have assurance that God goes with us now. He has given us his spirit as constant companion, comforter, advocate and guide. As we seek to go with God, his spirit upholds our every step. Each of us are called to come to God and to go with him. And when we do, we can be assured that God will show mercy because Jesus has come to us and his spirit goes with us. It can be tempting sometimes for this assurance to make us lazy. We're receiving a call from a known number and we know that God will forgive us if we don't pick up. So we don't. We'll get back in touch later, we think. Maybe Jonah felt the same. But we only apply this logic so far when it comes to others we love. If we receive an urgent message, a message with big implications, a message that we've injured our relationship, we don't sit on it for weeks and months on end. We pick up the phone and we call them back. We move into action far more quickly than for a message from a stranger because these are people we know and love. Knowing God's assurance of mercy, knowing God is our friend, 
How much more should we, the Nineveh, be quick to come to God and go with him? We are all called to stop holding God at a distance and come quickly to him. To believe he speaks the truth. To recognise our humility before him. To quickly seek his help. And we are all called to go with God. To follow where he leads and to put our hope in him. If hearing from God seems like a private number calling, pick it up. He doesn't want to be a stranger to you, but a friend. And if you know God as friend, how much more quickly should we pick up his call? Knowing God's assurance of mercy, be quick to come to him, and to go with him. Let's pray. Our Father, we are too practised at holding you at a distance. We are often so slow to come to you, and we put off going with you. We're sorry for trying to sit on the throne that belongs to you. You have called us friends, and you want us to draw near. So please help us too. This week, in our hearts and in our actions, help us to come to you and to go with you, to want to be where you are. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another, and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.